podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. But I feel like right now I'm oh, louder. Boy. I think you're fine. You are already louder than me. That's because I have a louder voice than you. No, that's not it. I project more. But if I hear myself quieter... Then I project more, and then I'm shouting, and that's where the echo comes. You're up higher than I am. Well, that may be, but maybe, what does that prove? We have the same microphones. Uh-huh. <laughs> what does that prove? We're going into the same device. It proves that I'm not louder than you. You're not louder than Your me. level is higher than mine right now. Oh, you it, the, the, the... The recording input level. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. What you just heard was Andy, once again, thinking he's softer than me. I just know something's wrong. <laughs> and it couldn't be my voice. Nothing's wrong. Because my voice is perfect. Everything's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm Matt Myra. I'm Andrew Secunda. Welcome back to the program. So many thanks for all of you who have uh, been listening and, and, and engaging with us. Yeah, as a matter uh, of fact. Pun intended. Uh, oh yeah. Um... As a matter of fact, uh, we uh, we decided to uh, give a little shout out at the uh, top of each show, um, and there was a little bit of a, a question of what would we call the five star uh, portion of the show, and uh, Paul Lenkich uh, suggested, as many people did, you've probably had lots of people say that your five star review segment should be called "There Are Four Stars," which is a that's a reference to a that was me that was it which is a reference to a uh, episode of Star Trek called Chain of Command Part Two. Well, I guess there's a lot of well. memes and commentary about that episode, so I'm interested to see why it has made such an impact on people. It's a two-parter. I haven't seen. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's why. That's why it's made such an impact on people. Uh, however, um, Matt and I uh, are taking a suggestion of a, of a, another friend on Twitter at I am not techno. Or I'm no techno. Uh, I'm no techo. Anyway, it's Jay Warren. And he says, for those of you that give five Could star Could also ratings, be, I am not Echo. I'm not Echo. That's also possible. Is that a Star Trek reference? No. Okay. Just. Anyhow, for those of you that give, <laughs> that give five star ratings, five stars is like five pips, like an admiral. So call them the Admirals Club, which is what we're going to do. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the, uh, these are the current members this week. That stood out in the Admirals Club. STTNC is the new flagship of fun. Five stars. Started listening recently after Matt retweeted a bad review, which is a strange way for us to get new listeners. Hey, why not? I've thoroughly enjoyed every minute so far. I sincerely hope the guys, the guys' production values stay the same even uh, as they get into better seasons of TNG. <laughs> oh, it will. It sure will. Good times. Engage. Five stars from Chevronvo. Uh, the lack of polish and rough edges of production, growing pains are what makes this pod so accessible and enjoyable. These two are an intelligent, fun, human beings tearing apart and dissecting classically horrible, for now, uh, TNG <laughs> in the most natural format I've heard yet. Uh, this is one of the few pods I honestly look forward to week to week. Oh, that's very nice of you. Very nice. Matt Myra Rules from Zex Markey. Greatest review ever. 
and that's all he said. And Thank that, you. Oh, and he says, and that other guy's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best. You guys don't have to know my name as long as you give us five stars. Morton Randy, <laughs> tell us how it is concerning all things next gen. Keep up the great work. Uh, where no podcast has gone before. Not accurate, really. Not in any way. <laughs> where, from... where a lot of podcasts have gone before. <laughs> Paku uh, 2454 says, I don't have much to say other than this podcast is the best. It's like listening to my friends talk about one of my favorite shows. Thanks for the struggle through season one. Um, many others, but this one's entertaining from Spazticus Prime. Um, until now, I've not found a Star Trek podcast that wasn't either super serious or obsessive and constantly decrying how pathetic or constantly decrying how pathetic they feel talking about the material. Refreshingly, these two just enjoy the show for what it is. Absolutely. Because, you know, we don't need to talk about how pathetic we are. Um, I think it's obvious. Best TNG podcast. Five stars. Stumbled on you guys all, uh, by accident while listening to a Kevin Smith podcast with Myra on it. Uh-huh. He mentioned it. Uh, I'm 40 and grew up watching TNG from, from day one. Brings back so many memories. Some good. Mostly bad. <laughs> and he, it does get better. Thank um, you. And there you go. Great. That's the Admirals Club. If you'd like to be in the Admirals Club... Uh, simply fly one million miles on American Airlines or write a five-star <laughs> review of this podcast on iTunes. Um, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to officially... Captain, Captain we are being hailed. Open the hails. Um, that was very smooth. I'm afraid of what's happening now. Uh, guys, this is this is the new Andy. There will not be a single mistake in this podcast. <laughs> I made one four seconds in. <laughs> that's true. Well, that's why I'm saying from this point forward. I mean, really, the biggest mistake I made was agreeing to do this podcast. <laughs> I don't, you know, you raised uh, in the mythology the question of whether you forced me or I forced you. And uh, I think it's an even, Stephen. Uh, Disagree. All right. You think I forced you? Well, you know, I saw the sadness in your eyes. You, <laughs> you read into my soul. You needed something else in your life. Well, I can't deny that, and I have enjoyed it. So, you know, make your own call. But I do know that you're the one that loves these, and you knew how bad this first oh, season was. I love Star Trek. <laughs> um, Steven, um, Blue Cadet 3, writes us, uh, love the script reading this week, guys. Reading, yes. Uh, many people did like the uh, us reading this. I don't know if you remember it from no, the No, I liked face. it, too. I thought it was cool to hear. Um, and I hadn't read it until... I mean, it was a cold reading, guys. So, sure. Uh, if any, I enjoyed it. If anyone has any deleted scenes, script form, that, please send Please it send it to us in advance of when we do the episode so that way we can do it. And um, um, and uh, people did like the rough edges around the uh, the reading, too. People really love the rough edges. I, I feel very self-conscious about it. I but think it humanizes us and makes us I not see. sound like one of those professional New York-type podcasts. Sure. You know, an American Life or a serial-type thing that's overproduced. And sure. Takes us down to the... Takes us down from our... From our natural level of gods. Overproduced and overappreciated. The Stats Booster writes us, catching up on the episodes, uh, Matt had a comment about being able to eat replicated Picard. Would that be cannibalism? Good question. <laughs> I don't, don't remember you saying that. recall that ever happening. I wonder if that was on a Nerdist episode. I no, don't remember. I mean... I know we were discussing... I think he might have misinterpreted because we were discussing... I was asking... You were saying the waste on the ship is yeah. replicated into stuff. And I said, is it also replicated into food? So maybe he's talking about maybe. that. But it is an interesting question. If you replicate a fake Picard and then you eat him. <laughs> anyway. I guess the answer is no. It's not cannibalism. To, oh, why? 
Because it's not a real Picard? No, it's not a person. It is but an empty shell. You may do with the body as you please. I bet you there would be an interesting, and I'm sure there are interesting, episodes that question, are replicated people people? There are no replicated people. You can't replicate a person? No. Why not? But there's holodeck people. So it's a similar similar quandary we'll get to at some point. Okay. Well, let's talk about it in that episode. Allison Patel writes us, listening to 16, I definitely donate to a fake cause like Iverson's or for repairs to the saucer section. And I was wondering, what is the, <laughs> if we had a fake donation, what would it, and I was, I was questioning, should it be to the Klingon? Uh, no, it should be to uh, Rodriguez's family. Oh sure. I mean, he took that. He took that disruptor Wait, blast. Wasn't what, that his name? What about Ramos? Ramos. 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 Well, that was what I was going to ask. Is we should got to ask Vanessa Ramos. Are they both dead? Both of them took it. But wait, did I make up the guy's name and call him Rodriguez for no reason? Uh, there was another security guard mentioned, and I don't remember what his name was. Well, you but know. I know that Ramos stuck with me because I was like, "Is it Ramos?" Well, either way, it's going to one of their families. Fair enough. Maybe both of them. <laughs> Um, so if you, want, if you want to donate to these dead security guards' families, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot of opportunities to donate to them. Um, it's uh, sttncpod at gmail.com. Apparently, you can donate to a PayPal through that address, and yeah, we didn't even really, know that. We're just trying to raise some money to make sure that the uh, families are taken care of, uh, you know, because once you die in Starfleet, they really just don't take care of you. Even though the Klingons believe that they're just empty shells. Um, and this was an interaction I had on Twitter, uh, if you may remember last week. Uh, I do remember just seeing my Twitter go boom, 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 boom. And then me thinking to myself, I didn't quite read it. And I said to myself, should I tell Andy to not bother engaging with people? It's and a rookie I was mistake. Like, and then I was like, well, I could tell him that, but I already did that once on this <laughs> this this program. So I'll give him this free one, and then from here on out, I'm going to be stopping him. So I shouldn't... It, it felt like I was engaged in a rookie mistake of engaging too deeply. Yeah. That's a mistake. Yeah, you've been, you know... You, you learn yeah. from your mistakes. Well, the evidence of Matt's point is that Steve Jessam wrote me, "Why does Secunda uh, think being hot?" We had a we had a segment last week from uh, from um, Chris. Uh, I am Chris Hayden um, at I am Chris Hayden, who sent us a wonderful, hilarious, slowed down clip of Matt and I talking about a crystalline entity. Um, with bong hits, mm-hmm. and it really was hilarious, sounding like we were high. And uh, I thought we made it very clear at that's, the top of the segment what the deal was. That's that's what this was about. I forgot. Yeah. And okay. then Steve wrote wrote me, which hey. I found so innocuous that his comment I found to be incredibly innocuous for me to respond to it. I I, I didn't think he was insulting anybody. I did well. Well, read the comment. Okay, we'll you, you can judge. He says, why does it kind of think being high means speaking in super slow-mo? And then I responded, hey, I didn't create the clip. Don't you think we, sh- we sound super high, slowed down, talking in a chaotic fashion about crystalline entities? And then he responded, you sound like you were recording half speed, LOL. Just, te- just up the tempo a tiny bit and you've got it down. Hashtag I believe in you. Oh, so he's saying that it would have been better at like a three-quarter speed. No, he's not. And I can prove it. Wait, that's what he said, though. I s- and then I would have said, all right, we'll see what we can do next time. Fair enough. And then Andy said. But then I said, you can give your network notes to I'm Chris Hayden, although it certainly made us crack up as is. 
Um, and then he said, maybe just actually hit some bong loads, then try and get through the rest of the episode. That's a funny, th- also thing, funny, funny thing Very to say. Very funny thing to say. A and I wrote, great suggestion. not offense, not, not, not taking offense, just uh, j- joking back. Not sure the uh, the listeners need to hear me trying to work my way through the sound clips and emails while also being high, buddy. Uh, and then he continues. Well, I think the buddy is a little. Ooh. Oh, you think? Oh, you think that's, that's our... a little engaging. Okay. Yeah. Uh, see, that's this is these are I'm I'm a Twitter novice, even though I am verified. <laughs> well, you know, I think it just goes to. I'm just verified because of my status in the industry, you know. But uh, you, the... you know, you grew up in a different time than us internet kids. <laughs> All right. Um, he goes then. Maybe it was the direction given, but I'm speaking from a performance perspective uh, lol well, we weren't performing it we weren't performing it and and then i said just to be clear you understand that he just took a clip from the show slowed it down and added bong sounds there was no performance and then he says i was not oh he thought it was a live bit oh we are not that good my friend and then i said final question steve no judgment you're high right now, aren't you? And he said, "How I decide to enjoy your podcast is my own business." And he had puffs. And well, I think face. that does. I think that all turned out well. It really did. I think it all came together and it was very enjoyable for everybody. I just wanted to be vindicated because uh, I was pretty sure what he was saying was that we didn't perform it correctly. Oh well, <laughs> and that's what it woke up the uh, the part of my brain that's like, wait, I have to make it clear. <laughs> Which really, as you pointed out, is a uh, an experiment in futility on the internet. Yeah. Danielle Hoover wrote us. Hoover. I've gone through all the stages of grief listening to you guys. Uh, I've finally come to accept that the first season is mediocre. <laughs> um, Matthew Nelson, sort of getting into the coming of age commentary from last week. Yeah. Uh, yay. Have some cake data. Fucking priceless. You guys just keep getting better as the show gets worse. The reading was really fun. Matt, you nailed Picard. Andy slays Yar and Bev. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hi, Matt and Andy. Uh, from coming of an age, as a teenage girl in the 80s, Oleana mm. made me so angry. Why'd they have to write her such a flake? These candidates are supposed to be the best, but from the first words out of her mouth, we knew she was uh, out of the running. Um, and what kind of admissions process is this? I think she was a test also. Oh, really? I think everyone was a test. That would have been much more interesting. That would have been great if everybody else was a fake. Yeah. Uh, why didn't we have you in the writer's room then? And they decided that Wesley was just not ready yet. Um, anyway, that was from Tess. Uh, and the last thing, which is probably going to offend you, but yep. uh, just thought I'd throw it out there. Has anyone ever thought that Matt has a slight Waylon Smithers vocal quality? Because I have from The Simpsons. Smither. Oh, sure. I'll take a, I'll take take a Harry Shear. Yeah. Certainly the attitude is very different, Tess. That's from Tess. Um, and then Stephanie Krop also piped in on that regarding Oleana in Coming of Age. I didn't see the whole Wesley holding the chair out for. I commented that I thought Wesley was a was a it was a strange gender kind of distinction in the future that Wesley held out the chair for Oleana. And he says, she says, I didn't see Wesley holding out the chair for Oleana as a chivalrous move. I viewed all of her interactions with him as her trying to throw him off to distract him so he wouldn't do as well in the Ooh, test. Ooh, I like it. It seemed like excessive flirting, constantly calling him young and cute. I mean, he is. Um, but she didn't have to mention it every single time she spoke to him was to distract him. Obviously, her tactic didn't work. Perhaps Oleana's comment at the end 
Um, when she says she won't be so easy to beat this time, it means she will actually study for the exam instead of just trying to flirt. I hope so, because uh, if that is really what was going on, it doesn't send a good message about how to succeed in life as a female. Agreed, Stephanie. Um, Andy, I would like your two best hails. Uh, Sorry, buddy. We I, talked about keeping the hail part tight. Last, last week it went 38 minutes. I know, man, but I got so many. I know. It's just going to encourage our listeners to write even better emails. I have so many hails, though. Listen, if they'd like us to do a special podcast separately that is just the hails, pay us. Um, go ahead. Okay. Um, let's see. Best two. Well, um, hmm. I don't know. I threw him for a loop, guys. He really did. I wish he had told me that before. This is his Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> there is no way to win. <laughs> um... Okay. I don't know. I'm just going to get into this stuff at the end. Okay. Um, for, because everybody was on our ass about not mentioning Rick Astley to our, our, um, to our, our Rick list. <laughs> Which, by the way, many people... Not t- adding Rick Astley? He started the conversation, didn't he? About famous Rick. I think that was the problem. Is you and I knew that that was coming. And then, we, and then you went on a whole tangent about, what are the famous Ricks? Knowing that Rick Astley was coming. And then... And then we didn't call it out after we had gone through the whole list. So everybody's like, what oh. about Rick Astley? He came well, up, he didn't say. Sure. So we both knew that it was coming. That's the reason we didn't call it out. But anyway, the other Ricks that were mentioned <laughs> on tweets were Rick Mayle. The one I was most, the one I was, uh, uh, the one I was saddest about missing was uh, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis was the most commented one, and I agree. Aside from Dave Amy. But also first. Rick Berman, which I thought we mentioned. Rick Perry, Rick Slick Rick, Rick Fox, Rick Nielsen. Rick Flair? Uh, he's not on the Well, list. he should be on the list. I'm disappointed in all of you. Rick Savage. Rick Rubin is a big one. We didn't do uh, yep. um, and, uh And he says you, you should have known uh, Ricky Yoon and Ricky J. Ricky Yoon and Ricky J. Ricky J, the magician. Throws uh, throws some nice cards, uh, you know, but he's also in Tomorrow Never Dies, the James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ricky Yoon is in um, Die Another Day. Um, and then many people mentioned the Andes covers, and I just wanted to bring this up to irritate you. Because uh, <laughs> he shut it down, said there won't be any tweets, but there were. Uh, so these were all the tweets from my, under hashtag Andes covers. Um, he's he's shaking his head. He's turning away in disgust. This is this is the last best email he could come up with. Was Secu- no, I have one after this. I'm sorry. Secunda the sea. Secunda matata. I secunda that emotion. Don't stand secunda to me. Three times secunda. Don't worry, secunda. Secunda's from an Italian restaurant. I've got you. Secunda my skin. Secunda the bridge. Um, and then uh, the last one. There's a bunch of Andes things we're not going to get to. Uh, and I just thought this was definitely the thing that I laughed the loudest at. From uh, Alan Varner, uh, he says, please listen to this short, out-of-context audio clip from last week's episode, uh, Coming of Age. Um, sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, come now. He almost got there, everybody. Sorry, guys. It was only when he had to play his second audio clip that he messed up. It's... Oh, this isn't fair. It's super... I don't know what's going on. I had all my clips opened, and now they're not... Open? Yeah. The opposite of open? They're closed? 
They're just they're blank pages. You know what, Andy? Why don't we watch too short a season again? All right. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I have I have an, I'm having an internet problem, so I guess we should move on. When I get to it, then I'll play it. Okay. We can move on unless you want to edit this. Are you going to be? You able can always to edit this out. I, I got time for that shit. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Not on a Sunday night when I have to go home and do another fucking podcast. He's got a tough life, guys. Read a lot of podcasts. This is really irritating. I hope that my Netflix works. My Netflix is also blank. Well, we worked out the plasma leak in engineering, <laughs> and Andy is back. Ellen Varner says, please listen to this short, out-of-context uh, audio excerpt from last week's episode, Coming of Age. I can't get it. Yes, you can. Don't fight it. Relax into it and let it come by itself. No, it's going too fast. Wesley, I can't do it. <laughs> Made me laugh. All right. I mean, that was worth it, I guess. I mean, you know, most comedy isn't isn't at its best when it was uh, when it follows like nine minutes of technical difficulties. <laughs> but for the audience at home, no, it was only seconds gonna of be, irritation. It's going to be smooth as ice. Okay. I don't know. Is that, is that inappropriate? What, to say smooth as ice? Cool as ice, isn't it? Oh, ice is not smooth. <laughs> oh, guys. guys oh, you got to close them first. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. We're both going fucking dumb. All right. Frequencies closed, sir. Okay, everybody, it is Heart of Glory. Production number 120 aired the week of March 21st, 1988. Andy, I think I teased a little bit of what was going on at that time. So I'm just going to continue to play that while you tell us a little bit more. Matt, uh, here's what happened the week of uh, March 21st, 1988. Michael Jackson returned to the top of the... Pop Charts, which is what we're listening to, with Man in the Mirror, Kylie Minogue. Her dominance is continuing in the UK with I Should Be So Lucky. Robert Ludlum's The Icarus Agenda hit bookshelves, bookshelves as a bestseller. The uh, 23rd Academy of Country Music Awards, held at Knott's Berry Farm. What? Uh, Knott's included, Berry Farm? That sounds great. Uh, Hank Williams Jr., Reba McIntyre, Randy Travis, Song of the Year. Oh, who's who? Time Magazine featured a portrait of George W. H.W. Bush with a caption, The Big Mo, ironically calling back the phrase that H.W. had invoked when running against President Reagan in 1980. And that comes to us from Matthew Tiberius Kirk, that list. Is that me? Oh, what a wow, disaster this whole episode is. <laughs> well, a lot of people love it. So oh, you're, getting your, you're getting your money's worth in disaster this week. Yeah, let's let Michael take us out. All right. So that's it, guys. We are uh, smack dab in the middle of the late 80s uh, with Heart of Glory. I'm going to read the description from the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion by Larry Nemechek. This episode was directed by Rob Bowman, teleplay once again by Maurice Hurley, with a story by Herbert Wright and DC Fontana. It's a very Klingon-heavy episode, and I will read. Responding to signs of a battle in the Romulan neutral zone, the Enterprise finds only a battered Tolarian freighter and 
thanks to LaForge's new visor visual feed that we never see again, the Klingons, sorry, three Klingons, one near death, <laughs> their leader, Chorus, explains that the ship was attacked by Ferengi, and they were beamed away just before the ship exploded. But after their comrade dies and Picard assigns Worf as a guide, the two survivors proclaim their hatred of the United Federation of Planets and Klingon Alliance. They want to reclaim what they call the true Klingon warrior spirit. They appeal to Worf to listen to his heart and give up his life with the humans. The Starfleet Klingon is torn by their words. Meanwhile, a Klingon Defense Force cruiser approaches and explains that what really happened. The Klingons are rebels who hijacked the Talarian freighter and destroyed the Klingon ship that was sent to pursue them. The two Klingons are detained, but they escape later with a homemade weapon. One is killed. Chorus, threatening to destroy the warp intermix chamber in engineering, demands to be given the battle section and tries again to sway Worf, who tries to take him out of talk him out of sabotaging the ship. Chorus lunges, Worf fires, and it's over. The Klingon captain is impressed by Worf, but the lieutenant politely turns down his invitation to serve in the Klingon Defense Force fleet, electing to remain aboard the Enterprise. So that is the description of the episode. It is the uh, most backstory we get on Worf yet. And it is an episode that begins not with a captain's log, but with a transmission from Starfleet. Oh, man, here it is. So close to being bad. Communication from Starfleet. They have recorded a disturbance in the neutral zone. Of what nature? Battle. Quadrant 9, coordinate 070, Mark 3. There is no information who is involved. They are asking if we can investigate. Answer affirmative. Mr. LaForge, lay in the course. Aye, sir. I have no reports of any Federation vessels in that area, sir. Ferengi? It's a little out of their territory. Should we separate the saucer? Let's get a little more information first. Corset, Captain. Speed, warp seven. Aye, sir, warp seven. Engage. I would just go ahead and say warp nine. This range. Maximum warp, whatever you can get us there quickest. If it's a battle, it's happening. It's a fuel issue? That's why they go to lower warp sometimes? I don't think it's a fuel issue. It's deuterium. They can get more at the next starbase. But, I mean, they're going into battle, so is there an element of, all right, well, let's go at this? No. As well, far then, as I know, there is I not. don't understand. I, don't, I also don't understand why in Star Trek they don't just... When they need to get to an emergency situation, yeah, go at the maximum speed. I thought you said before that it was because of they were burning through something. I didn't say that. No, I might have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do have it. There is a fuel tank, uh huh, but it takes up like four decks, right? And it's this huge tank in the middle of the star drive section. And you're not in a battle. You're not gonna like burn through that. No. They like, have enough. I mean, it's a it's a deep space exploring vehicle. Uh-huh. The Galaxy class starship is meant for multi year missions, right? And it's designed to be able to run on its own fuel for God knows how long. Well, I don't get it either. Uh, other than it's it's varies it up, varies it up. Maybe there's a strategic reason he wants to come in slower. Mm, that doesn't, doesn't make any make sense because they're, they're you why can't, not drop out of warp a, a sector before? Can you be yes, hit I can. while you're in warp? Uh, by you, fire? You can. Oh. If you're traveling, if whatever's firing at you is traveling at the same speed. Oh. But that seems unlikely. Uh, yeah. 
Okay. Also, they're going to a battle. They're right. not like uh, uh, trying to avoid someone. It's very confusing to me. All I'm saying is, hey, why not just uh, just hit it? Go fast. Just floor it. Go fast. That would be funny if he said floor it instead of engage. Uh, not that funny, though. Got um, it, Mr. LaForge. Got it. <laughs> hey, Granny, pick up the pace. Um, here's what I have to say. Love the top of this episode. You're blind, not stupid. Great <laughs> if he was infected with a virus that just made him a dick. <laughs> um. <laughs> Jordy, if you can't go fast enough, I will relieve you of duty. <laughs> just scoot over. Give me, come on, give me this. <laughs> um... Hey, uh, so you like the opening of this episode. Oh, so great. I would love it if every episode just started with a battle. I would love to watch... Are there any series... Are any of these series just freaking battles from top to bottom? Like, I mean, was DS9 more like that? A lot of D-Space 9 is, yeah. Okay, well, I never got to that part. I only saw them is sitting there like a freaking parking lot. Once so. Worf shows up, I'm telling you. Season 4, once oh, Worf shows that up. That makes me so excited. Once Worf shows up, Because that's that all I want. Kicked into high gear, the Dominion War, guys. I gotta say, I'm probably not... I don't have the right stuff for Starfleet. I would I would be more like Worf and just want to get into battles. Which, by the way, he seems so excited at the time that we're going into battle. I was I was like, I'm right with you, Worf. Let's oh, do it. Oh, I mean, he. It's clear that he has whatever the Klingon equivalent of an erection is. It's amazing, and I will say that once they go into it, it's so clearly a Kobayashi Maru situation, and they're all like Picard even says everything about this seems wrong. And Riker says, agreed, smells like a trap. And I'm like, Are, do they not do the Kobayashi Maru, which is exactly the scenario? Maybe not. In the Starfleet exams anymore? Maybe they don't, Andy. Only time will tell. That's not true. Time yeah. won't tell us anything. <laughs> what exactly does this device do? Well, Data and I have been working on a way to transmit what my visor sees. If it works, the bridge will be able to monitor us. It has restrictions. The information from Geordi's visor is so complex, it is difficult to encode. Therefore, the signal breaks down easily. Mm. It means it doesn't have much range. Exactly. So far, the effective range is only a few kilometers. But we're working on it. Well, that's weird, because I can FaceTime my mom 3,000 miles from my house. That's true. Why not bring a camera, guys? Well, also, um, you can you can transmit uh, other star captains. Um, I like how you call them star captains. Starship captains. No, no. Captains of the stars. I like star captains. <laughs> oh, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Please, transmit another star captain. <laughs> Does he mean beam another star captain? What is he talking Just about? Just transmit a star captain. <laughs> Come on, warp three. Um, but anyway, you can talk to people on other ships, so I, wouldn't, I didn't understand why. Also, in my, I feel like they were kind of duplicating in aliens the the thing of the people watching on their cameras uh, jim cameron's yeah awesome uh invention there you do i mean we do and see... yet we never have we ever seen that before will we ever see that again people looking at like you look through... at what i'm looking we at. see through geordie's visor i don't recall if we see like other people watching i'm saying Geordi's transmitting visor. a battle situation it would have been a fun thing to do to data I'm sure. I'm sure it's possible. Just, I mean, he would have been an intrusive, but but it's very strange that they don't have as a thing, Captain, look at this, in a general away team. Well, it's also like, why can't you get a feed off of the tricorder? Right. It's, you know, the tricorder is recording audio, video. Or the comm else. badges. Yeah. All right. 
So let's throw it out. Star Trek, uh, you're done. <laughs> oh no! Wait, it's throwing out the uh, podcast the is starship over. with the best, the Star Captain with the bathwater. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about this emergency situation, right? Okay. That is happening. Uh, Nonetheless, love the emergency situation. Love when they beam over. Well, here I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of that. Okay, I, I have some problems. Okay. Transmitter, ready to receive. This on main viewer. Aye, sir. Weird music choice. That's true for a battle situation. Uh-huh. Good point. Also weird of Picard to immediately get lost in this, forgetting the mission at hand. That was completely weird. And to the point where they had to write in Riker saying, guys, can we get back to the emergency situation? Now I'm beginning to understand him. <laughs> beginning to understand him. What does that mean? I'm beginning to understand Blindy. Shorty, what's that? Over to the left. What? Yes, that. No, no, back. Yes, that, right there. What is that? It's clearly Commander Riker. That's Commander Riker. What is that horrible thing? Ah, to me, it's just uh, an undefined form standing in a in a visual frenzy. You can see can you, Riker takes offense to this. Can you filter out the extraneous information? No, I, I get it all simultaneously. But it's uh, just a jumble. How can you make head or tail of that? This is again. I select what I want weird and then that he's wasting time the rest. with this. In like a minute, they find out possible? that the hull's about to rupture. <laughs> well, how in a Probably noisy room before. can you select one specific voice or sound? Of course. Kind of sounds like Something he's on Reading learned. Rainbow in that exactly. segment. Something I've learned. I love Does Reading that make Rainbow. it more clear? Look over at Data. That's, by the way, clearly not Brent Spiner. Yeah, why? That's his double. Is that because it's second unit? Well, of I don't course, know. he's an android. Why does his hair look different? You say that as if you think that's what we all see. Don't you? Oh, buddy, Sir, we got I a lot to, to tell you. Up, but, um... <laughs> oh, yes. Um, of course, number one. Um, proceed. <laughs> oh, yes. Of course, number one. Proceed. Very in character for Captain Picard. So weird. Very weird. Such a weird thing. I will say, though, I thought this uh, looked great. The set looked great. Oh, great. Um, uh, it all, it all, and, and the Blu ray transfer is just so clear. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, I don't have the Blu rays. Gonna... You do. You're watching the Netflix, which is the Blu ray transfer. Oh, I see. But yeah. it did not, that's not the same compression. Nerd, nerd, nerd. Um, compression? Well, I f- I, we're not watching in 4K, are we? Well, 4K is not Blu ray. Blu ray is lower the resolution than 4K. There's no 4K transfer of Star Trek Next Generation. Are we watching in 4K nonetheless? No. What? But Blu-ray... Uh-huh. Eh, never mind. Blu-ray is not 4K. No, I understand. But is... is Are what we... What we're watching yeah. from... <laughs> from Netflix <laughs> is the Blu-ray transfer. I yeah. understand it is the Blu-ray transfer, but are we looking at it in the same level of quality with the stream from Netflix? When it's streaming in high def, yeah. But is high, isn't high def lower than Blu-ray? Uh, I think it's negligible to the naked eye. No. I wouldn't worry about it too much, Andy. Okay. If you really want to borrow the Blu-rays, let me know. Maybe I will. Okay. Uh, okay, so they... I did... F- I liked the hull breach situation. Great. Let me uh, play the audio of that. Is that how you interpret it? Very good, Captain. Exactly right. How long before this hall ruptures? It's impossible to be exact. I'd say 
Five minutes. Probably less. Let's go. Good advice. Uh, some of these shots are great, like when they're backlit and going through the steam. I love this sequence. I, I, it was exciting. It was there was real danger. It was kind of funny. That, I found them, sir. The, I kind of liked that he was so that Jordy was so calm about the uh, hard to say, uh, hard to be specific. I'd say under five minutes. I'm like, hey, that's pretty specific. B, you seem super calm given this place is going to go. No, he's aware they have a transporter. Yeah, I guess. I did like how the transporter doesn't work at first. I don't like how they have Tashiya operate the transporter. They should have the transporter chief operating it. Before you get to this, can right. I? Before the I get to the uh, Klingons, yeah. Uh, I just had one uh, exchange with uh, Data and Jordy I wanted to play. Sure. The life signs are emanating from the far side of engineering. What's the safest way around? All routes are equally dangerous, sir. Well, what's the least dangerous route, Data? There is no significant difference. That's why I said they are all equally dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange dialogue. Re- repeat. Uh, kind of feeds my data's just messing with all of them. You should have called them out. And data lifts a massive door that's stuck. Yeah. To which I think the Klingon should have been saying something about his amazing strength. That's true. Listen to that story. What is it? What do you see? Klingons. Why do you say it like Klingons. that? Your friend. Oh, you know, I will say also he does that later um, when they see the Klingon ship on the screen and it's the big reveal. He goes again, Klingons. And I'm like, what, what, what's, is worth chopped liver? What the hell? Um, it is weird, but it's interesting to think about this, where this falls in the in the grand scheme of Star Trek where uh-huh. at this point this is 88 so by this time we have only seen uh, the Klingons being enemies of the Federation yes Worf is on the bridge and we're aware of that but we we haven't seen a Klingon ship since uh, Voyage Home uh-huh. well, I guess had uh, Final Frontier come out by then what year did Final Frontier come out? 87 or 88? Final Frontier feels like 89. Oh, I'll take an 89 then. Which would be good, because then that stands to reason that, yes, the last Klingon ship we saw was a bird of prey. Um, and in a time very much... 89. The last time that the... Last time we saw anybody from the Federation engaging with Klingons, they were trying to kill Captain Kirk. Right. You know, the last time anyone saw that. So there is... It is a weird sort of window of time in Star Trek that they have, they've waited 20 episodes to show the Klingons, right? other than Worf, and they're playing up a little bit of the danger of it, even though there should not, there should not be any immediate danger being expressed by the captain. Post the Undiscovered Country, yep. are they just totally at peace? Post the, under, post the Kittimer Accords, yeah. um, they, I think... I think they they have a few skirmishes here and there, uh-huh. uh, but eventually settle on peace, thanks in large part to what happens to the Enterprise C. Right. right. What what happened? Sure. All right, let's not. You'll see. In season three, you'll see. Okay. Um, what? Oh, see, there's already a... Oh, Enterprise C. Okay, that would be predating it. Um... 
So what was the other question I had? Oh, how does how do neutral zones work? There, I was reading up on a little you bit know, because I was, I was thinking, thinking about, about the Kobayashi Maru. I was and, thinking about the neutral zone today as I was watching this episode, and I was just like thinking, like, what, well, what's the equivalent? I guess, I guess it's like the 49th parallel mm-hmm. in North Korea, South Korea situation. And the show having been written in the early 60s and having the neutral zone established then makes sense that that's what it was. It's essentially a, a, a neutral border. So they have their borders... Right. And beyond their borders is a zone, right? which is the neutral zone. Uh, so the Federation border and the Klingon border, they don't border each other. They border the neutral zone. Between that is a... It, it, and it's kind of like a buffer zone, too. Yeah. But the problem, the thing that I'm curious about, and I did a little bit of reading on it, and I didn't really get clarity in my brain, is it seems like the rule is if you enter, say, the Romulan neutral zone, it's yep. determined as an act of war. And the Romulans are allowed to impound the starship. Yeah. Whereas if you entered Romulan space, they would be allowed to blow you up. Okay. So then, but then every time, why is why is why is Picard so uh, quick to go? Oh, or or the Federation for that matter, so quick to go? Oh, there's a battle going on there. We don't know who's involved. All right, let's go in. Uh, they have a right to investigate something that's happening in the neutral zone. They do? Yeah. Isn't that an act of war? No. Mm-hmm. Not if you're in an investigation. I mean, the Romulans always use the uh, excuse of uh, scientific exploration when they go into the neutral zone, even though they're really spying. It's kind of like a, you know, like an understood, uh, you know, I have no words for it, but there are words. I know what you mean. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> An understood thing. Thank you. Um, is um, is in the Kobayashi Maru? Yep. They're going into the Klingon neutral zone, I yep. believe. Yep. And then the Klingons attack, or is it the Romulans? I don't remember. Uh, I think it's, it's the Klingons. Klingons. It's the Klingons. So if the Klingons attack, yep, and they just fire on them, would that have been illegal or legal? The Klingons attack the Savix fake ship. And they fire on them. Would that have been illegal or legal? Is it's clearly a trap. They go in. Yes. And then the Klingons attack. I think once you're attacked, you're allowed to defend yourself. No, I'm saying for the Klingons to attack, is it would have been illegal for the Klingons to attack. Oh, yes. I, I, it would have. I, I, and I assume that's part of the real conundrum. All right. There you go. Those are my questions. I'm glad I could have answered your questions. If I answered them wrong, I look forward to the prime directive corrective rather the prime corrective segment next week on star trek the next conversation i don't know if we'll have time for it we're only allowed to email well you know that's a different segment in and of itself andy so i think we can allow that well if that's the case i have a couple of prime correctives i can go back for all right uh let's move on klingons are there they're having a great time and they need to beam away too much interference you have to get farther away from the engineering section. Sir, the engineering section is critical. Destruction of the batteries is imminent. There are options. Do it. Now. I love that moment. They're out of options. Do it now. Would you really? Yeah, I think it's great. Me too. Oh, no, they're not there. Boy, if only the transporter chief was there. She's in charge of security. The transporter chief is in charge of transport. It's very strange. Put the goddamn trans... Get me Chief O'Brien. 
I think it's a I think it's a giving lines to Denise Crosby situation. Yeah, maybe you're right. But Although she, does she has have a, a lot, lot of other do. stuff to she do. She has a lot to do. By the way... Uh, she has more to do than Deanna Troy in this episode. I know. And Wesley. No Wesley, oh no Deanna. Oh, God. And I will say, Deanna Troy would have been super helpful in this episode <laughs> to figure out if the Klingons were lying right from the top. Maybe a little too helpful. Weird maybe that's the reason she didn't put her in. And that's why they decide to send her to Risa. I have a, a little... Pleasure planet. A little, uh, a little Beverly clip I'd like to play. It's non-canonical, by the way. She didn't actually go to Risa in this episode. She went wherever we decide she went to. In the mind's eye. Was that... Oh, it was never mentioned. No, it's never mentioned. Okay, it's just... If you would like to pay for uh, Deanna's trip to Riza... (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we're already raising money for the security crew. (laughs) I understand. Uh, All right. A patient, doctor. Not good. I'll keep you... Sorry. No, I liked that. That was basically... It was just basically... great. Beverly, Beverly, I'm saying, how's the patient, doctor? Not good. I can't... I can't help him. And then a second later, um, oops. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's. Klingon's condition is worse. Get the hypo spray. She's having trouble again. Commander Corris, this is Captain Picard. Yes, Captain. I'm sorry to report your comrade's injuries are beyond our medical abilities. Why are they beyond our medical abilities? Well, not beyond everyone's medical abilities, but they are beyond Beverly's because Beverly has a learning disability. And his theory. Just giving you a quick little burst. I've got more coming up. It was a good episode for it. Is that me? That's me. doing in the neutral zone? We were attacked without warning by a Ferengi cruiser. During the course of battle, we must have unknowingly entered the neutral zone. The weapons were not Ferengi. What is your name? I am Lieutenant Worf. And you are a member of this crew? Yes. You are correct. The weapons were Klingon, but the vessel was Ferengi. What precipitated the attack? I don't know. We were in a... What a, what a shit lie. The weapons were Klingon. But the vessel was Ferengi. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> the Klingons are not good liars. No combat experience, so he did not anticipate the first attack, which was nearly fatal. We took control with his permission. The Ferengi called for surrender. I told the captain to agree to all their terms. We had only one chance, but I was confident that it would be enough. Chorus was very As brave. No, no, you were the brave are, one. Not very <laughs> Still, That's what they're talking like right now. <laughs> and their vessel superior. Yes. All we had was a battery of ancient Merculite rockets. Our only chance was to trick them into lowering their shields. We reduced power and lured them in. They suspected nothing. Then, when they lowered their shields to beam over a boarding party, we opened fire. Still, there are some points that I'm not very clear about. Captain, we are hungry and tired. Of course. If there is anything else you wish to know about this incident, we will be available. Permission to show our guests to their quarters, Captain. Permission granted. (laughs) I love that guy's... 
appreciate down a deep dive on that guy. Um, okay. So, Klingon's clearly lying. Something's amiss here. Something's then they try amiss. to woo Worf. Yeah. Here we go. Why do you wish to anger me? Only to see if it is still possible. It is. You know, I was thinking about this, and I think it's a it's a product of the time with which uh, this was made. This okay. Star Trek: The Next Generation was made. Worf never, Worf never really is Worf to me. What Worf should be so strong, right? So good at fighting, right? So good at firing a phaser. Right. Like, I want Worf to be John Wick. I 110% agree. I want, when there is a security problem, I want... It's okay if in the story, you know, we can't resolve it at this point. But I would like Worf to get, like, 400 good hits in. He's usually presented as someone who's kind of getting hurt or messing up. It's crazy. I'd almost uh, forgive the other stuff that he's always presented as someone who's thought of as wrong... If, as you were saying, he was just a total badass the whole time. That's what he should be. There's an episode of Deep Space Nine, I think I've talked about it before, where they play baseball. Right. I think Worf would be great at baseball. Because he'd be the most agile and trained. Hand-eye coordination. Strongest. He'd be hitting dingers left and right. Is he bad at it? He'd be the Mark McGuire of... uh, I only say Mark McGuire because that was uh, of the time that that episode was made. But I just... I just find that they have never truly given Worf the abilities with which he has. That is to say, until some stuff in Deep Space Nine, there's some uh, hand-to-hand combat that he has to do. There's some uh, series of fights when he's a prisoner that he has to do that I think are great. But in the Star Trek The Next Generation, he's never the Worf I want. I would agree. And I would also say it would help the the theme of the episode that he's like this caged animal. And is he more of a warrior because he keeps the caged animal inside him mm-hmm. contained? If you saw what what he was really capable of that he was never using. And I think even when he faces off with Chorus at the end... right. Um, it's like he he beats him in this weird kind of bullshit way where he just lifts his gun and shoots him as opposed to it being a quick draw or uh, or doing some you know throwing something or wrestling him or, or doing if they something. Had the fight in his quarters and they both grab batliths. Uh huh. That oh, would have been the way. That to go. would have been the best. Guys, I just want you to know that that email you heard was that my order of Injustice Two for PlayStation Four has shipped. It'll be at my house on my wife's birthday. PlayStation Sorry, 2? What's going on with Matt Myron? I mean, Justice okay. 2 for PlayStation 4. Should I get that? What is that? Oh, is that the, is that the, the DC it's thing? It's the DC fighting game. Oh, gosh. I, we got to we gotta face off with that. My order of uh, bridge commander should be shipping pretty soon. I got to order that. I'll be sitting in oh. virtual reality commanding a bridge. Matthew Myra. That's me. I, um, you've already experienced it, but you have not, I don't, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. The Vive or Vive VR, that's the PC version of the VR thing. Yeah. Um, have you, and you're, you have, you've done the PS4 Batman VR. Correct. Um, and you did a, uh, a, a next generation sort of walkthrough. Uh, I've watched the walkthrough. Uh, there's, on there's a guy YouTube. out there doing an Unreal, uh, built with the Unreal Engine, 
he's doing a Star Trek, essentially trying to build out the Enterprise in virtual reality. Uh Um, It has enticed me many times to think it's called stage nine there's a subreddit this guy has it's called the uh, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash stage nine and yeah. he's faithfully recreating the enterprise in virtual reality um but it only works on a pc as far as i am aware i'm trying to figure out how to get it to work on a mac and it's 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 brought me this close to like just buying a pc well i'll tell you my friend uh dave rogers uh talented editor obsessive star trek fan um said uh just brought me over and he's been hassling me to come over for for like a month uh-huh. to see his vr he basically he's a mac guy and he bought the the pr setup which i think was like fifteen hundred dollars yeah. and um it's it's basically he turns it on and i'm inside the shitty um holodeck set yeah but it i could not have been more delighted you see the the door you see the the grid you and and the thing that's distinct about that from the ps4 setup is you can walk around in like a 10 foot square cube you can do that in the ps4 oh you can yeah without just walking or you have to move yourself no you can walk oh all right you can walk with them okay well then that well then well whatever the case there uh, is, but there is stuff like in the Batman game, for instance. You do, you can't, you can't. Um, if you're gonna walk across, if you want to move to like across the alley uh-huh. in Gotham City, you do have to hit a button and you move across the alley. But when you're in the alley, you can sort of walk around, walk around a little bit in that in that in that uh, space. Well, I wish he had been taping me because he also did. Have you done the Star Wars VR thing? No, I don't care. <sighs> You really don't even care? I don't care. You and I are such different people, Matt. Uh, listen, I, just... I love I love Star Wars. You know, I know a lot about Star Wars. I know many facts about it, but it just never connected with me the way Star Trek connected it's with me. So and it was and it's I think it's because Star Wars is disguised fantasy. There are swords. Um, and you know how I feel about that. That actually adds up. Although I would say that there's enough sci-fi and Star Wars that you could uh, appreciate both. But there, but there is no science to anything. The fucking jump to hyperspace is a garbage. It's bullshit. Why is that one bullshit and TNG isn't? Because the the the, the space travel in Star Wars is almost instantaneous. It's ridiculous. They go through a tunnel of hyperspace. They're they're traveling and then in arrive scenes. across the galaxy. Whereas in the Star Trek, you're like, oh, if we were trying to get across the galaxy at maximum warp, it would take us forty years. Uh huh. All right, that's valid. So, but again, I don't begrudge. But there's anyone a long loves... there's a long travel in Star in the original in what I call the original in uh, in Star Wars in in episode right where they're going from Tatooine to Alderaan Alderaan yeah. But again. I feel like Tatooine and Alderaan, I haven't looked at a star chart, uh-huh. could be... Well, look, I don't know if it adds up. Um, doesn't. I, okay. <laughs> Nonetheless, it is one of the most entertaining why, franchises of all time. But that's why... But for me, that's but why it didn't many, connect the way But how star many connected. non-authentic, inauthentic, uh, or inaccurate mm-hmm. uh, action movies um, with sci-fi elements have you enjoyed over time? Not many. All right. Well, whatever the case, my point was, um, and I don't get it. I, there's something that just doesn't process to me about you don't like Lord of the Rings. You don't like Star Wars? 
Wars? That's crazy to me. But okay, I'd, I'm a Star Wars booster. I, 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 I don't know that I would put Star Wars ahead of the original series because I was so obsessed with the original series at some point. Yeah. But I love Star Wars so much. And he put me in this simulator, and you're standing on Tantooine, and you see the... The, the two moons? The two, the two suns. Suns, sorry. And um, uh, I think there are moons, too. More moons. And then, uh, and then the Millennium Falcon lands on top of you, and R2 is there. And he, unfortunately, he was trying to film me, and something went wrong with his, his phone. The... There will never be a record of me looking more happy. In, or happy period in my life. Oh, it's. It, it, I was like hugging R two. I was like laughing and talking to Han and waving my my lightsaber. I was. It's like, um, you know, having done a little bit of the VR for Star Trek. It does. It takes me to a place that nothing else can, and it's so. It's makes me so happy. Like yeah, tears of joy. Almost. That was essentially what I was experiencing. Yeah. No, I totally get it. So uh, if you work for, uh, uh, you know, if you want me to say it right, then send us a <laughs> Viva VR. Send us uh, some uh, some uh, some uh, sample stuff. Send us the Star Trek game. Uh, send us this everything. This is all, this, episode, this podcast uh-huh. is a series of Andy asking for things <laughs> that... Is that not what a podcast is? No one... Will ever, will ever give us sure um but <laughs> let me just again give a shout out to the guy do, building the uh enterprise in vr it's called stage nine um i wish we could set up the um the uh the the star trek simulator that's coming out and then videotape us interacting with each other and trying it out for the first time uh is there a way of doing that i don't know here's the problem we'll be back at work by then comes out the week we're back that's right and our boss is not a star trek fan it was really really looking great it was supposed to be out a couple of weeks ago and i was like oh did they delay oh what a what a trip through oh, my hiatus i'm gonna have there's gonna be a lot of lost hours of sleep after work and uh it uh it got delayed but anyway we're very excited for bridge commander um, well, if anybody can figure out how to, how we can tape ourselves, we can put it up on the internet well, on you can our tape non-existent on website. Your PlayStation, PlayStation. Oh, can you? Yeah, with the camera. Although I guess the camera's busy doing the VR. I don't know. All right. Anyway, sorry for that digression. Where were we? I bet people sort of liked that digression. Some people didn't, though. I I think we got to play to the people that like the digression. Death would have been even more glorious. If the opponent was not an enemy, who was it? Tell me, what really happened? I do not wish to anger you. We are, after all, brothers, lost among infidels. Tell me, how is it that you come to this ship, that uniform, through an act of kindness? This is where we finally get worse backstory, everybody. The Romulans attacked the Kitamar outpost. Everyone was killed. I was buried under the rubble and left for dead. A human Starfleet officer found me. He took me to his home on Galt and told his wife to raise me as his son. How old were you? Before the age of inclusion. That young. Galt is a farming colony. Farming colony. When my foster brother and I were of age, we entered Starfleet Academy. He hated it and returned to Galt. I stayed. You have not spent much time among your own kind. 
Hardly none. So, when the night was fun still- trivia, Andy, who plays Worf's hat, Worf's stepbrother, or foster brother, or adopted brother, or whatever? In Star Trek: The Next Generation, we'll see it eventually. I think season six, maybe seven. Why is it a foster brother, and they didn't just do another Klingon? Because he's he has human plant parents. Uh huh. So what, who plays his human brother? Is foster brother mean that he's not? The what offspring? I'm saying is he's the offspring of the Roshankos who adopted Worf. Um, I don't remember the. I don't. I don't. I don't the think I saw the episode. Is, Paul Servino. There you go. All right. Who was on the Goldbergs? Why, wait, why did you have that answer so quick? I don't know. And you led me down a weird path of trying to explain this to you. <laughs> well, I, because to me, I was, I think, vaguely when I, when I, maybe it was on Memory Alpha I saw it, but the, when, when I, uh, when I saw Paul Servino, I was like, why didn't they just have another cool Klingon who, because that is a more interesting story. That there's two Klingons, and one of them was like, I'm going to go... I, I'm not into the Starfleet thing. I'm, I'm going to go, go back go to the farm. Klingons I'm or go something. farm. Or farm. Is that yeah. what happens? Oh, never mind. I withdraw the question. Oh, that's what he says right here. He went oh. back to the farming. Oh, he went right. back to the farm. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's right. why it's... it's it, To me, it's like, that's not that interesting. Right. That is more interesting if it was two Klingon brothers. Two Klingon brothers. One says, I'm going to stick with Starfleet. One says, I'm going back to the Klingon Empire. Then they face off. Much more interesting. Stay tuned. Okay. Um, Against what enemy do you charge into battle? I have been in battle. Then you understand. On the holodeck? Yes, I do. Brother, this peace, this alliance is like a living death to warriors like us. You're right. We lied, your commander. (laughs) I love the smirk on that actor's face. (laughs) You're right. We lied, your commander. (laughs) We were bad. We lied. Ain't I a stinker? <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, I have a thing. It, actually, it's not even at 28, but when you get to Canera, let me know. Uh, hang on. Let me just play this uh, bit of uh, bridge talk. Okay. And as I watch Wolf... Weird it was like scene. looking at a man that I had never known. Captain, long-range sensors indicate another vessel approaching this area. Can you identify it? No, sir, not yet. Keep a close watch on it. So close to the neutral zone, it can't be random. Let's have a look at that sensory data. I miss the chairs. They don't often have the chairs in injury in, in engineering. Perhaps your dreams of glory no longer fit the time. They belong buried with the past. Standing here, we will never know. Our answer lies out there. Our instincts will lead us. Instincts that have not been dulled by living among civilized men. I believe, sir, that was the first time outsiders have witnessed the Klingon death ritual. I can understand them looking into the dying man's eyes, the howling it was a warning to whom they are warning the dead sir beware a klingon warrior is about to arrive they have a reaction to this that seems very patronizing captain <laughs> the, the eye <laughs> roll yeah it's like oh, it's weird 
They're, those people's religion kind of like, is weird. I thought it was kind of like, ooh, spooky. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to sit around and tell dead I mean, warrior like, stories around like, the fire? It's like borderline. It's just Viking mythology sort of, right? You know, Valhalla and that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, it's definitely very obtrusive in a social setting when they scream out, though. Well, I think people don't often die in social settings. What do they do when they're on the battlefield? They can't. They got to keep fighting. Yeah, like there's a bunch of people. They, they can't, can't stop. And, okay, maybe, keep going. Maybe, maybe they okay, do it uh, afterwards. They just yell once the battle. Just over. yell. Oh, smart. Uh, yeah, let's hear that Klingon ship come in. Okay. That unidentified vessel is approaching us at warp five. Intersect one hour, sixteen minutes, thirty-three seconds. Can we get a visual? I can try, sir. How? How do they get a visual at something that's an hour away at warp five? Magnify. Hello. Klingons. Open hailing frequencies, Lieutenant Yard. Hailing frequencies open. Klingon cruiser, this is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. I am Commander Kinera. What is your purpose in this area? We came to investigate a battle. We rescued three Klingon survivors. That is all that is left of the crew of the cruiser, Karthag. They were not off the cruiser. They were from the freighter Batris. Their leader is Captain Corris. You have him on your ship. He is alive. Yeah. It's like I feel like they, um, the leniency with which the Klingon commander and Worf talk about these Klingons that killed a Klingon cruiser. Uh-huh. I feel like there should be some sort of honor code where, like, now they must be shunned from the Empire for having killed Klingons. But isn't it worse? Aren't they going to execute them in a dishonorable way? That is not worse. I feel like being shunned from the Empire would be worse for a Klingon warrior. Well, that is a that is a valid perspective. However, I guess in this case, they want to be shunned. They're leaving the Klingon Empire because they think that they're they're weak, pathetic fools. No. Yeah. Which actually was the thing that I mostly interpreted to this guy's sort of lenient attitude is uh, because he does seem very chill for a, for a Klingon. Yeah. Um, that it was sort of like he was maybe emblematic of the softening of the mm. of the Klingon Empire to become a little bit more political. All right, Andy, what is your next clip? We have got to get wrapping up here because I got to go do another podcast. Well, I will say uh, just in that one moment, uh, there's uh, definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jordy's saying hello. <laughs> he sees the other, the other ship. Um, uh, Jordy is a mechophile. Who's bringing that back? <laughs> um, uh, that's just a little hit. And his theories. Um, and uh, I will also uh, say um, that Commander Canera has these it's he's not in a ship or a place he's like got this weird klingon branding behind him like he's advertising a movie he's no, like doing what it looks like to me is like he's doing a hit on sports center <laughs> that too. you know what i mean it's like all right like i guarantee you he's not wearing pants this week in the neutral zone he's in he's in he's in shorts and sandals he just is like put on his battle dress up top and the top a, 10 most he's vicious in his office in the Klingon Empire and, and this he week. pulled down he pulled down uh, this background just uh-huh. like from a you know from a rolling <laughs> thing he pulled it down he turned on the spotlight over his head and sure. he sat and he was like all right yeah, I'll talk to them <laughs> um let's see my next one is 2940 
And uh, got it. Got it. Do it. really torn between the security team. Go back! Please, turn around and go back to your mother. Bridge, we have a hostage situation on so deck. The, the guy just calmly picks <laughs> the up the girl. The way that she does it, too, is like, fine. Bridge. <laughs> well, that to me goes to uh, Tasha has uh, emotion. This is really a bonanza for Andy's theories. <laughs> Tasha has an emotional disorder. She freaks out. No, go back when a child just appears. Nobody's doing anything. The Klingons are just standing there. And then the second he puts her down, he's like, oh, fine, whatever. Disregard. So Tasha has emotional disorder. Also, oops. Oh, was that a little Andy's theories hit? Andy's theories. There you go. He's looking at his watch. I got it. I got it. He's got to get out of here. All right. I got a notification. Um, But what I was going to say about uh, this is that why not, uh, you know, as we've seen many times, although I don't know if we've seen it so far in this uh, era of Star Trek, this first season of The Next Generation, but uh, Force Field. Hello. Oh, yeah. I need a Force Field. Deck 17, Section 23. 100%. On both sides of it. Lock off the turbo lifts. How weird. Like, lock off the turbo lifts. That little girl's not going to get not taken. They were so... They were so impotent to do anything. It was crazy. Hey, girl. Hey. Bridge. This is Lieutenant Yar. Disregard. Situation is under control. Oh, I'm done with that section unless you want Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, My next one is here. Riario. Okay, so he says, Riario. And the other guy nods vigorously. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is more of an involved thing. Um, And it led me... uh, Matthew to uh, a theory. Okay. Where are all the bathrooms at? Let an android have a cat. Is data just pretending to be so No one knows the answers. Least of all him, it's Andy's theories. So he says it, and I looked it up. And uh, Riario is not in any Klingon to English um, um, book. And uh, there's no real way to tell what he's saying there except by uh, by context. And I don't know that there is context because the guy just nods. And then um, a second uh, later, um, when Worf requests permission to talk to Canera, um, let me see this. We're prepared to transfer. Captain. Request permission to address the captain on the Klingon vessel. Cards, I know it is against standard procedure, but there is something I must say. Permission granted. Well, what did he just say? <laughs> so my theory is uh-huh. 
that I don't think that the Klingon language has more than about nine words. And I think the rest of the time they're just faking it. And they're so proud that they can't, they can't admit that they don't have a full language. And I think it kind of ties into why Worf is so confused most of the time and why all of his, his, his plans are, are, are so off base because he doesn't understand what's – he has no way of communicating from Klingon to English. Interesting theory, but, you know, the Klingon language is uh, full. Is it full? Yeah. Based on whose evaluation? Uh, the Klingon the, – I mean, there's a Klingon dictionary, Andrew. And who wrote the Klingon Dictionary? Is it canon? It is canon. It's from the movies and from the TV show. Yeah, the Klingon language first developed by James Doohan. Uh-huh. Scotty. Who stated that it was canon? Uh, It's canon. It's canon. The Klingon language is canon. Well, I know the concept of the Klingon language No, no, is the canon. Klingon language itself is canon. The same guy who did Dothraki is like the guy who invented Klingon. I guess I would question, based on the few words that are in this, because I looked up the all the words that were said, and there is no translation for them. I think that the Klingon, the Klingon language, I think first, when did it become canonical? I'm sure it's in there. I'm not saying that there aren't a few words. I just think that there are very few, and they're very primitive, and there aren't more than about nine words. It's probably like kill... Uh, good fortune. Uh, described by the 1985 book, The Klingon Dictionary, by Mar- Mark Ockrand, and deliberately designed to sound alien, it has a number of typologically uncommon features. The language's basic sound, along with a few words, was first devised by James Dewan and actor John Pavel from Star Trek The Motion Picture. The film marked the first time the language had been heard on screen. All previous appearances, Klingon spoke in English. Klingon was subsequently developed by Ockren into a full-fledged language. Was the language approved of, though, and used in the... Yes. I don't know. Um, but uh, whatever the case, uh, I will take that you in have... In Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, director Leonard Nimoy and writer-producer Har- writer Harv Bennett wanted the Klingons to speak a structured language instead of random gibberish. Uh-huh. And so commissioned a full language based on the phrases Dewan had originated uh, from Mark Ockren, who had earlier constructed four lines of Vulcan dialogue for Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Ockren enlarged the lexicon and developed grammar based on Dewan's original dozen words. The language appeared intermittently in later films featuring the original cast, for example, Star Trek V, Star Trek VI, where translation, translation difficulties served as plot devices. Two non-canon dialects of English are hinted at in Star Trek Three. Ah, uh-huh, hinted at. With the advent of the series Star Trek The Next Generation, in which one of the main characters, Worf, was a Klingon, and successors, uh, the language and various cultural aspects of the fictional species were expanded. In the Star Trek Next Generation episode of Matter of Honor, several members of a Klingon ship speak a language that is not translated for the benefit of the viewer. Even Commander Riker, enjoying the benefits of a universal translator, is unable to understand until one Klingon orders the others to speak their language, i.e. human. No in-universe explanation for this discrepancy has ever been provided, but since it seems unlikely that any noticeable percentage of the Klingon population would be proficient in human languages, the implication seems to be that Klingons regularly employ at least two languages, one used in dialogue with other races... 
which uh, can thus be translated by a universal translator and one exclusively for use among Klingons, which is, for whatever reason, immune to translation. Yeah, but I feel like that last statement is a theory that if you spin the theory the other way, then it could be that the reason that there was no translation is because they're not saying anything. Small number of non-Klingon <laughs> characters were later depicted in Star Trek as having learned to speak Klingon, noticeably Jean-Luc Picard and Jadzia Dax. Worf would later appear among the regulars in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Belana Torres, a Klingon-human hybrid, would become main character in Voyager. The use of untranslated Klingon words interspersed with con- conversation translated into English was commonplace in later seasons of Deep Space Nine, when Klingon became more important to the overall series arcs. The pilot episode for Star Trek Enterprise describes the Klingon language as having 80 polyguttural dialects constructed uh, on an adaptive syntax. However, Klingon, as described on television, is often not entirely congruous with Klingon developed by Auckland. That, to me, supports my theory. It also, I think, (laughs) that, that it all is questionable and we don't really know how much of the Klingon language even exists and that nobody's willing to admit it. And I wouldn't really put it past Riker when he cl- claims to learn uh, to Klingon that uh, he's just so cocky that he thinks that he's learning Klingon and he hasn't learned it any better than the Klingons have. And I will say that also that thing about the Universal Translator <laughs> refusing to to uh, translate the Klingon uh, suggests my theory that the uh, Universal Translator is a dick. And his theories are very All right, Andy. I hate to be that guy, but we got to get close to the end here. I'm pretty much done. I had a nice couple of clips that I was going to play, but I guess I can save them for another time. I'll just play this last clip, which is Worf being Worf. Okay. Razor. Wait. I do not believe this. Believe it? I have tasted your heart. You have been with them, but you are still of us. Do not deny the challenge of your destiny. Get off your knees and soar. Open your eyes and let the dream take flight. My brother, it is you who does not see. You look for battles in the wrong place. The true test of a warrior is not without. It is within. Here, here is where we meet the challenge. That's not where the Klingon it heart is, Warf. It is the weaknesses in here a warrior must overcome. Here in the lung. You have talked of glory and of conquest and legends we will write. Yes, the birthright of every Klingon. Yet in all you say, where are the words duty, honor, loyalty, without which a warrior is nothing? What are you saying? Living among these humans has sucked the Klingon heart out of you. Put down the phaser. You are a sham. My words were dust upon the ground. Your blood has no fire. You are weak. Like Love the them. shot. You can see the warp core in your eyes. What you look like. You are no Klingon. Perhaps not. Suck a dick. <laughs> oh no! Who replaced this? Transparent aluminum with glass. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was very loud. Sorry. Oh, there was one more. Uh, one more thing that I just wanted to play, which was um, this. 
just before that moment. What's the situation? He's on the second level, armed with a phaser. We do not have a clear field of fire. How do you suggest we proceed? Wait him out. Captain, let me talk to him. I do not think that's a good idea, Worf. Right now he's running on adrenaline. Let it cool. There's nowhere he can go. He will wait only as long as he believes it is to his advantage. The moment it is not, he will fire his phaser into the dilithium crystal chamber. That would destroy the Enterprise and him along with it. Yes. He knows. Talk to him more. I just wanted to mark this. That is this the first time that he's been listened to? Does is he ever listened to again? Uh, might not be. <laughs> but let's 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 mark this momentous day by screaming for for dead Klingons. <laughs> okay, great. I probably peaked on that one. Yeah, we all did. Um, that's uh... <laughs> podcast peaked. Um, that's all I. Uh... Great work, everybody. It's mm. time for some. Uh... What do we do first? The MVC? Can I play one more thing? Uh, I'd rather not because right, my mind. wife's going to kill me. Okay. I don't want I don't want your wife to kill you. That right. would really hinder the podcast. Really would. Um sure, let's do the MVC. I mean, it's pretty uh, oh, it's pretty clear cut. Yep. Um and uh Jordy LaForge say, did it again. What? No, what? All he did was wander <laughs> around with the fastness of space when the going gets rough. You gave it your you showed the right stuff. You managed to not blow the ship to smithereens. Coming a lot to our songs now. Well, I guess you desperately want them to be That's done so we can get out of here. It's Worf. <laughs> the Andes. <laughs> or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. <laughs> it is Worf. He's right. Um, the Andes. Matt? Uh, you know, I like again. This is this this is in the same sort of school of episode for me as uh, data lore. I like getting background on a main character. I like uh, seeing that. Uh, I like the introduction of the Klingons into the next generation universe, other than Worf, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because of that, I'm going to give this four Andes. Four. Yeah. That seems very low. Oh, listen. What were your problems with the episode? Not a huge fan of Klingons. Not a huge fan? I almost feel like this is as shocking to me as this. Is that because they're old school? No, it's not because they're old school. They're like original series? I just think like, you know, in all the Ron Moore episodes that he wrote with all this, the, you know, the rights of ascension and uh, all the stuff with the Klingon Civil War that you'll see later. Mm-hmm. Um, I just never really got into them. I give this episode a four in the sense that, like, if it's on, this again is my rating scale in my head. Right. Is the if it's on, will I stop and watch it? Yeah, and you won't watch it. I one. won't make it through one commercial break. I'll watch, like, up until there's a commercial and I'll change the channel. Well, I would say that the the opening to this is perfection. Yeah. The, the whole second, you got the thing of the they're going into battle. That's exciting. Then they get there and they got a beam on, on this dangerous ship. That's exciting. They, they, they reveal the Klingons. That's awesome. Um, the interactions with uh, with uh, Worf and the uh, and the other Klingons finding into his backstory. It's just it's so much of the episode is interesting and it lands in a in a reasonable story place, even if it's not that as strong at the end of the episode as it was at the beginning of the episode. Um, so I give it a six. All right, average of five between us. Uh, that is correct. 
Um, Puts it in the Admirals Club. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess above the Admirals. Is, it, what, is there anything that has six pips? Uh, I mean, there's a many, many. Oh no, you're saying the average. Gotcha. Yeah, but I'm saying the the admiral. There's like there's vice admiral. There's admiral. There's the commandant. There's so many rankings of admiral after. Sure. Fleet admiral, cool dude. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to email us your emails, make them good. The uh, the uh, the hole is uh, very very narrow now to get it through. Um, sorry for the disgusting imagery. Um, so it's uh, sttncpod at gmail dot com. If you want to tweet at us, it's at Star Trek TNC. Uh, Instagram is also Star Trek TNC. And uh, I think that's all the business. That's the business. Now let's play the preview for next week's episode. You're right. It's not all the business. Um, I'm including this is non-business. This is just joyful. Here we are. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. This is what's coming up next week. Episode 21, The Arsenal of Freedom. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Once unleashed, the unit is invincible. The crew is hunted by a computerized killing machine. One of those things off to my ship. Now the Enterprise is targeted for destruction. Return fire! We missed! You missed. It's a duel to the death with an invincible enemy on Star Trek: The Next Generation. One thing they got a different. Judging by that, this must be the most exciting episode to ever grace the screens. This one looks super dumb to me already. (laughs) It has a little. Well, I mean, like robot floating around shooting a machine. Nomad. Uh huh. Well, I guess if it if it really is that level of of uh, drama then I guess it's interesting we'll find out I don't remember this episode I think it's interesting that they changed the announcer for the next week they did the uh, the other guy was the guy who goes Star Trek the next generation and this oh. guy is a little bit deeper this is like the guy I remember this is the guy you remember yeah must be this guy from here on out could be um yeah thank you everybody for listening and uh please uh, rate us on iTunes try to get in the Admirals Club give us a five star review and if we uh see it you are welcome to the Admirals Club. We'll read it on the air and read your name on the air, and we'll have a good time. We'll read some of them. Not all of them. We get too many. There's yeah. so many people. Right. If you want your review in the Admirals Club. If you want to be in that select group. Make it shine. Like the Starfleet. Make it uh, shine. Exams. If you want to be in the, in the running. Yeah. Great. Leave, leave us a five-star review. Love you all. We do. Well, most of you. Well, the ones that... Or mean we like less, but we appreciate that they're listening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! You know, Andy. Every time I head down to the transporter room to take this a gander at the controls, I think this is a professional vampire. Boy, this isn't like me. I think why? Look at him go. Why is the console not active? It's Who like, was just in here? Probably Tasha Yar, not the transporter chief. He's like the Hank Aaron of vamping. I think to myself, what, what? Maybe I shouldn't go to transporter room seven. Maybe I should go to transporter room six. Hang on, I'm gonna go to transporter room six, everybody. All right. Well, now the vamping's a little less convincing. Well, hang on. Ouch. <sighs> what was that? Was that the it's me leaving ship? this transporter room because it's not working? Oh. oh God, I gotta walk all the way down the corridor. You know what? I'm just gonna use the cargo. <laughs> Ah!
Oh boy. Oh, here it is. Uh, well, we, Andy, I'm gonna can we get go ahead and take here? off. I don't know how to work the transporter room in the cargo room. Oh, uh, is this it? <laughs> 